Turn, if you would, this morning to James chapter 2. James chapter 2. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you, Lord, for this time that we have together. I am thankful, Lord, for the truth and song that we just heard. Lord, there are times that we have to trust your heart because it's all we can look to in those certain moments. And so I got to pray that you'd help us to do just that. Pray that you'd help me now in these next few moments to uh, preach what you'd have me to, that it'd be helped to your people. I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning we're going to forego any review of the previous message because in chapter 2 we're going to see a shift in the thoughts of James and uh, what we're going to look at this morning does not really Uh, relate or have anything to do with the previous thoughts. And so this morning, I'd like to begin with a thought that all of us know to be true. Uh, We've probably all experienced this in one manner or another. I'm going to illustrate it a couple of ways, and then we're going to move into the text. But I'd like to begin this morning with this thought, that sometimes we find ourselves in situations where it alters what would be our otherwise normal personality or attitude. Have you ever noticed that about yourself? Sometimes we find ourselves in situations where those situations alter what would otherwise be our normal spirit, our attitude, our demeanor, whatever you'd like to call it, situations influence who we are. I said I'd illustrate that in a couple of ways. I'm going to begin by using Susie as an illustration. I did not warn her that I was going to do this, but I feel somewhat safe in what I'm about to say. But in starting with Susie, just to illustrate this, I'll share with you a time that several years ago we had gotten away for a couple of days and we found ourselves at a lake where we could rent a boat And I think this was the first time we had ever done this. And so it was just she and I on this boat on this very, very large lake. And since I was the one doing the driving, obviously she was the one sitting in the passenger seat. And I knew how to make a boat go as fast as it could go. So there we were going across the water, full throttle, planed out. We were having a great time. And of course, I'm trying to watch where we're going And all of a sudden, Susie screams. I mean, just screams. Like, woo! Like, that's not who she normally is. She just screams. And I looked at her, you know, somewhat in amazement, and I said, what was that? She said, sorry, I just had to. I said, okay. A few minutes later, we're full throttle going down the lake, planed out, having fun. Same thing, a scream. Well, after we got our first boat and got it ready for the water, we'd take it over to the lake from time to time, and whether it was just she and I or us with the kids, we'd be doing the same thing across the lake. All of a sudden, her arms are in the air, and she's screaming, and she says, Sorry, I just had to. She has the same problem in convertibles. I don't know what it is about that type of an environment, but we rented a convertible a couple of uh, last year whenever we were on vacation, and we're just driving down the interstate, and all of a sudden her hands are in the air, and she's screaming, and she said, sorry, I had to. 
Okay. Now, I would be critical of that, but I find my personality altered sometimes whenever I'm watching sports. Usually, I don't yell at objects in the house. Usually, I don't get real excited and real animated about things like a coffee table or dining room chairs or whatever it may be. But whenever there's that TV in my living room and it's on and my team is playing and something good happens that I approve of, I find myself responding in ways that I don't normally respond. If something negative happens, I find myself responding in a way that I wouldn't generally identify myself as or, or, or in a way that I would not necessarily be proud of, not that I'm doing anything wrong, but just like I wouldn't want very many people to see me acting that way. You know what I'm talking about, right? You know, it's just kind of like, oh, that, that, was, that was dumb. It wasn't that big of a deal. So anyways, you understand the principle I'm trying to convey, right? That circumstances and situations sometimes alter what would be our otherwise normal personality. It's happened to you just like it's happened to everyone else. Now that said, this morning I want to make another statement, illustrate something else, and then we'll make our way to the text. But this morning I want us to think about this statement, this truth, that sometimes the truth is ugly. Have you ever been confronted with the truth and the truth was ugly? Somebody confronted you with something that was true and you didn't like it, but you knew it was true? Somebody confronted you about something and you didn't appreciate it, but in your heart of hearts you knew there was no arguing it because it was true? Have you ever gotten mad when somebody said something to you that you knew was true? Well, it's happened to all of us because sometimes the truth is ugly. So that in mind, to try to tie all this together, I'm going to remind you of something I shared with you a couple of months ago after our trip to New Orleans. We had taken a trip to New Orleans to try to be a help to the church planter there that we have supported for several years. And in the midst of helping with their vacation Bible school, I shared with you whenever we came back in that testimony that I, find my, that I found myself having a burden for children I had never met. I found myself having a heart for these kids that I didn't know anything about their circumstance or their situation. I found myself being influenced in my personality and who I would otherwise be under normal circumstances. I found myself changing in those moments, acting in a way that is not normally me. And what I shared with you all in that testimony that Sunday night was this, is that I was reminded of this ugly truth of how hypocritical that was of me. How could I have a burden for children that I had never met? How could I have a children that I knew nothing? How could I have a burden for children that I knew nothing about their story? And yet in Pampa, I could not have a burden and not have a desire to reach kids that I do know and do have some influence in. It was an embarrassing, ugly truth because I had to admit that that situation had changed me from what I normally am. How many of us this morning, if we would just be honest, we would admit, obviously not any illustrations or examples this morning, but we would admit there have been times 
that even in our spiritual lives, we have been altered because of the circumstances or the situations we found ourselves in. It's happened, hasn't it? All of a sudden, we're being influenced. All of a sudden, we're having this emotional high. All of a sudden, we've got this great burden. All of a sudden, we're having these, these feel-good feelings. And if we're honest, we know that's not normally who we are. It's ugly, but it's the truth sometimes. Now, I mention that for this reason, that as James writes this letter to his audience, those who would one day pick it up and read the letter, James is writing to people who are not in a special circumstance or a special situation. He is writing to people who are just living out their normal, everyday lives. Nothing special, nothing interesting, nothing out of the ordinary. These are just men and women living out their normal, everyday lives. And so if people are just kind of caught up in their normal, everyday lives, well, what are you going to see? You are going to see who they really are not what the situation has transformed them to be. You realize this, right? Because who we are on an everyday basis is who we really are, not by those situations or moments that have influenced us for that moment, for that temporary occasion. And so you may say, I have no idea what you're talking about. I, I, I don't know where you're headed with this. Well, I want us to begin looking in verse number 2. Because here is what James is doing. He is addressing a portion of their Christian life. Now, we don't know who was guilty of this, who was struggling with this, to what extent it was happening or taking place. But as he talks about their faith, as he talks about their relationship with the Lord, he speaks in verse number 2, or carrying or, or piggybacking off of verse number 1 with respect to persons. He says, For if there come unto your assembly a man with a gold ring... In goodly apparel, and there come in also a poor man in vile raiment, and ye have respect to him that weareth the gay clothing, and say unto him, Sit thou here in a good place, and say to the poor, Stand thou there, or sit here under my footstool. Are ye not then partial in yourselves, and are become judges of evil thoughts? So I want us to see this in verse number 2. Again, piggybacking off of what was said in the last part of verse number 1, here is what James is talking about. He is talking about their assembly, which would lead us to believe that, for lack of better words, this would kind of be their church setting or their church environment where the believers would get together. And here is what he said at least some of them were guilty of in their everyday normal approach to life. They were guilty of showing respect of persons or showing partiality to some over others. So here is James, and the illustration that he gave them was this, is that it could be that in their assembly there came in a man with a gold ring, with good apparel or fine apparel. He goes on to call it in verse number 3, the gay clothing. So it would be something that was beautiful. It would be something that would be eye-catching, maybe eye-popping. He said, here is what some of you have done, or here is what some of you have struggled with, that when this person walks in, you say to them, sit thou here in a good place, 
And yet at the same time, this scenario could play out where one came in and they were a poor person. They did not have the gold ring. They did not have the fine apparel. He said, rather, they come in as a poor person in vile raiment. They don't have the bright clothes. They don't have the beautiful outfit. They don't have anything that pops and catches the eye. And he says, here's what you do to the rich man. You say, stand here in a good place. And you say to the poor man, stand thou there or sit here under my footstool. Here is what James says in verse number four. He said, ye are then or are ye not then partial in yourselves? Here's what James said. He said, you are showing partiality now based on the person's exterior, based on the person's appearance. Here is what you have done. You have shown partiality. You have shown favoritism to the rich, the favoritism to the one who appears to have much, and you have discriminated against the one who is in the poor, uh, vile, unattractive, unappealing raiment or appearance. So do you follow this? Here are believers, and what are they doing? They are going through their everyday normal lives. They are going through their everyday normal situations. They have assembled wherever the assembly would take place, and visitors have shown up. And as soon as the visitor who walks in who is rich, you know what it did? It changed who they were. All of a sudden, hey, stand over here. Come on over here. We got a great place for you to sit. We got some place for you to, to be comfortable. We want to take care of you. We, we want you to enjoy your experience with us today. Oh, you're poor? Oh, you don't have the fine clothes? Oh, you don't really have much to offer? Well, I'll tell you what, you can stand over there or you can sit here, you know, just we got a place for you, but it won't be as good as the good place for the rich person. Again, James said, whenever that happens, you have shown partiality and you have become judges of evil thoughts. He says in verse number five, we're not going to deal with all this, but he says in verse number five, Hearken, my beloved brethren, hath not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith, and heirs of the kingdom which he hath promised to them that love him? He says, but ye have despised the poor. You have despised the poor. What does it mean to despise the poor? It means you have shown them no honor and you have insulted them. Simply because of their financial standing in life, simply because of where they find themselves in this world by way of economics and their standing, he said in verse number 6, you have despised them, you have shown them no honor, and you have insulted them. He reminds them in verse number 6, do not rich men oppress you and draw you before the judgment seats? Do not they blaspheme that worthy name by the which ye are called? If ye fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, ye do well. But notice what he says in verse number 9. He says, But if ye have respect to persons, ye commit sin. Is that what he said? He said, if ye have respect to persons, ye commit sin, and yet offend, I'm sorry, 
ye commit sin and are convinced or convicted of the law as transgressors. So what James is reminding the believers of is this, is if you have visitors come in and you begin to show respect of persons, if you begin to show partiality, if you begin to discriminate based on appearance and based on their wealth and or their lack thereof, if you begin to show this partiality and you discriminate and shame them or dishonor them and insult them, you need to know something, believers. What you have done is sin, and it is a transgression before the Lord. Okay? Now, I don't know if the readers were anticipating this segment of Scripture from James, but James obviously felt the need to share this with them, right? Because obviously, to some extent, it was going on, Again, the, the, the readers, those who would have been taking these words in, they're going about their daily lives. They're doing what they always do. And we see who they really were, at least some of them. They were infatuated by the wealth. They wanted to appeal to the wealth of the wealthy so as to make them comfortable and to enjoy their assembly, but to the poor, eh, we're not so worried. It's not that big of a deal. It's not that much of an issue. And James said, friends, that is sin. Let's listen. That is sin. Now this morning, I, I, I'm going to pose this question to you. I'm going to ask you to consider something, and I already know what the answer is. But I'm going to ask you this question this morning, that whenever it comes to a church setting, how many of us this morning would admit that you are guilty on a regular basis of showing partiality and discriminating against others because that is who you are. So whenever you come to church, you would admit this morning, you know, if I see somebody walk in and it looks like they're a person of position, if I see somebody walk in and it looks like they are a person of wealth and influence, that is who I'm going to go after and try to be friends with. But if a poor person comes in, I'm going to shun them and not care about who they really are. How many of us this morning would identify ourselves as that kind of a person in a church setting? Well, that's not how we would identify ourselves, right? Because we're all better than that. We're not those type of people. We're not the type of people who show partiality. We're not the type of people who are going to show favoritism. And we're not the type of people who are going to discriminate and treat some people poorly just because they may not look as nice or dress as nice or, or smell as nice or whatever it may be that's important to us. That's not who we are. Right. But it's not as though that attitude does not exist in churches today. I think all of us have heard the stories from others who have said things like this, that in order to go to that church and be accepted, you've got to be somebody. 
We've heard stories like that, right? That, that you know, if, if you're going to go to that church and fit in, if you're going to go to that church and have any influence at all, you better be somebody in the community because they'll not accept you if you're not a part of that inner crowd. That certainly exists in the, the church world today, doesn't it? It certainly does. It's wrong, isn't it? The Scripture calls it sin. And it's a transgression before the Lord. Several years ago, I was reading about this ministry that had a TV ministry. And, and one of the things that it said on their website is this, is if you attend the church service and men, you're not in a suit and tie, please don't sit within the first eight rows of the platform because what they didn't want was for the camera shot to see some of the men not wearing shirts and ties. So they had a dress code for the first eight rows. Past that, you could be a normal person. Now, now, now listen, I'm just saying that's not right. That is wrong. Come on, that's wrong, but that's still a part of our society. It's still a part of the religious culture today. There are still those who show the partiality, and there are still those who discriminate against the poor. Just a few years ago, here in town, I heard a quote from a lady as it related to their church, and here's what she said. Maybe I've shared this with you in the past, but here's what she said of their church. She said, our light is attracting too many bugs. She wasn't talking about the porch light out front attracting too many June bugs and moths and other items. She was talking about people. Our light, she said, is attracting too many bugs. Well, friends, that is a wrong attitude. That is a wrong spirit. Just because somebody doesn't have the wealth, just because somebody doesn't have the finances, just because somebody doesn't have the resources, doesn't mean you're allowed to discriminate against them, doesn't mean that you're allowed to insult them and shame them, humiliate them and things of that nature. No, that is not what's allowed. It's not the way it's supposed to be. If someone enters into the church house doors, it's supposed to be equal treatment, equal kindness, the right spirit, the right attitude, regardless of who that person is. And once again, praise the Lord, we're not like them. Or could it be that church has a tendency to alter us sometimes in ways that we would not otherwise be? Does this make sense? You know, yeah, praise the Lord, that's not the way our church is. Our church will welcome people no matter their background, no matter their position, whether they be rich or poor, whatever it is they're wearing, we will accept people. Okay, that, that's good, and that's the way it ought to be. But let me ask us, when should that attitude stop? Well, it's not supposed to stop. It's not supposed to be that we're of that spirit when we're within the walls of the church house and then whenever we separate ourselves from the church house that, that we then go back to our normal routine and who we really are. No, who we really are at all times ought to be the one who isn't caught up in the person's apparel or their wealth or their position or their lack thereof. But this morning, I want to ask us a question. 
I don't know if this will reveal an ugly truth about any of us or not, but I want us to consider a question. If we just had to be honest, how many of us have ever been guilty of showing an unjust partiality to others? Well, Brother Kyle, I've never done such a thing. I can't believe you would even ask. Hold on. We've never been infatuated by the wealth of some, the position of some, and maybe thought to yourself just a little bit, ah, that's someone I'd like to spend some time with. That's someone who might be able to help me. That's someone who might be able to to help my family. That's someone who would make my social standing go up just a little bit if I could say that I'm friends with them and they're friends with me. Now, Now, maybe you're far more wholesome than the average person. Maybe your motives are far better than everyone else's. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna share something with you about myself, and it's ugly. I know that it is, and, and you may condemn me for this, but I'm just gonna be honest and tell you, I've had my moments and I've had my occasions where when the real me was seen and not the little church setting scene that I can put on, I've had those moments and I've had those times where I've come into contact with people and it made me feel better to be around them. And so that's who I wanted to be around because, well, it made me feel better. Stare at me all you want. It doesn't mean they were all wearing shirts and ties and looked classy or whatever the thoughts may be. I'm just saying there have been those people that I've come into contact with and in the back of my mind I've thought, what if? I wonder if this could work to my favor. I wonder if this could benefit me. And my treatment of them was better than what it would have otherwise been because of the potential I saw in them for my own benefit. That's called using people. Have you ever been guilty of using people because of what you thought they could do for you? You treated them better. You were kinder to them. You, you went the extra mile for them. You were willing to do things for them that maybe you wouldn't do for someone else. Maybe you laughed at their corny jokes when you wouldn't have laughed at somebody else's corny jokes. Maybe you were just extra friendly to them. I'm just saying, for me, it's ugly, but it's happened. And I bet in your normal habitat... In your normal everyday life, at some point, you could look back over your past and say, you know, I've done that. I've, I've tried to work people to my advantage. I saw potential in them, again, what they could do for me. And so rather than being my actions toward them being pure and right and what they ought to be, It was very self-serving because of what I was hoping 
or thinking I might get out of it. I'll just share something with you, and, and if, if this shatters a, a thought process or whatever, I apologize. I just want you to know this happens in the ministry frequently. Because you have your elite preachers, then you have your second string preachers, and then you have all the bench warmer preachers. And it's amazing how much love is shown to the prominent preachers, but the same love and respect and awe and admiration wouldn't be given to the bench warmer preachers because the bench warmers don't offer the same possibilities as the elite preachers. That's fine if we don't want to acknowledge this. I'm just trying to be honest with this this morning. It happens. You know why? Because that is our human nature. Well, my human nature is not that depraved. My human nature is not that wicked. My human nature is not that bad. No, it really is if we're not careful. We have a tendency to do that. And I'd like to just remind us of something real quick. Whenever we do that to anyone, it doesn't matter the setting, it doesn't matter the situation, whether it be at church or anyplace else, I just want to remind us that it's wrong. It's sin. It's a transgression. If somebody walks in and we know they've got a lot of money, and I don't mean just in church, but I mean anywhere in our lives, if somebody with a lot of money, a high position, or whatever else you'd like to consider, if they make their way into our presence, you know what we need to do, what we ought to do? We ought to treat them just like we would anybody else and not get too excited about who they are rather than getting nervous and uptight and, oh, I've got to be careful, and, and whatever the response may be. And again, if you think it doesn't happen, we're just not being honest. It, it happens. So it can be a struggle. But if you'd say today, Brother Kyle, I hear you, and I know some people struggle with partiality, but that's just not me. Well, how many of us would have to admit this morning, maybe in our natural, normal, everyday life, we'd have to admit sometimes we discriminate. And I don't mean racially, I just mean we discriminate based on whatever we have determined to be things of importance to us. It may not be what clothes they're wearing. It may not be whether or not they have the gold ring. It could be something completely different, but just based on our perception of who the person is, we come to these immediate conclusions. We formulate these opinions and we then treat them based upon the conclusions and opinions we have formulated. Have we ever been guilty of this? You see someone and you've never met them, but you can tell by looking they're not good enough for you. How do we know that? We don't. We just determine that. I don't know if this is going to be a little too honest, but I'm going to share it with us just for illustration's sake. 
Have you ever been driving down the road, you, you notice someone as you're driving, they're walking, but they're on their cell phone while they're walking? You ever had a negative thought about that? So, Brother Kyle, no, I've never thought anything like that at all. Okay, maybe again, maybe I'm just revealing too much about myself. But I've thought before, isn't that amazing? They can't afford a car, but they sure got their cell phone available. They're texting while they're walking down the road. Whatever the thoughts have been. You know, I I used to think that until I found myself one day walking to get my car out of the shop that was just down the road from here. And as I was walking down the road, you know what I had in my hand? My cell phone. And you know what I realized? I'm not as low class as maybe other people might think I am. Which may indicate somebody else walking down the road with their cell phone may not be as low class as I've thought they were at times. You ever seen anyone in an emergency room and you knew they didn't have health insurance and you were paying for it? How did you know that? I mean, really, how did you know that? Did you go to the person and say, hi, I'd like to know what kind of health insurance you have? Because if you don't have health insurance, and here's what I want to make sure you know, is that I'm paying for this for you because I do have health insurance. How many of us know that? Well, we don't, but what do we do? We immediately jump to conclusions, don't we? And whenever we jump to conclusions like that, it's not normally real positive, good conclusions. So you know what we've just done? We have just jumped to some some conclusions. We are partial in ourselves, and we have become judges of evil thoughts. We've determined all these things because we can tell just by looking, yep, they don't have insurance, yep, they're indigent care, and yep, that's why my rates are so high. We're paying for you. Thanks for nothing. Would you like to come to church? We've done it. Probably some other illustrations I could give, couldn't I? They're probably terrorists because their skin is darker than ours. Let's be honest. Well, we're seeing a real influx of them over in Amarillo. I mean, we're seeing a lot of them come our way, and it's not a good thing. Now, now I, listen, I understand stereotypes, and I understand we've got to be careful sometimes, but I'm just saying I, I was at the mall not too long ago with Susie, and, and I certainly wasn't thinking about this sermon, or I wouldn't have said it, but I said, man, we're seeing a whole lot of the, the Middle Easterners coming over, and, and, and I'm just telling you, we're seeing a big influx of them. You know what I was doing? I was jumping to conclusions based on an exterior encounter with information that I did not have personally. Have you ever noticed how quick we can say things and think things and it is totally inappropriate based on the fact that we don't have any idea what we're talking about? Well, Brother Kyle, you just, you, you got to know the numbers. No, I don't. I'm just supposed to treat people like they're people. Whether they're rich or poor, 
whether they benefit me or they don't, whether they help my cause or they don't help my cause. I don't have the right to discriminate. I don't have the right to to let these thoughts pop into my head just because that's a part of the culture that we're in. Isn't it amazing how offensive and insulting we can be when we're just living out our normal, everyday attitude with people? Not influenced by the church setting and how we need to be on our best behavior? Here's James writing to believers who really had no idea what the content of the letter was going to be And James just says, listen, as it relates to your faith, as it relates to your personal relationship with Christ, as it relates to this whole subject of respect of persons and partiality and things of that nature, you better watch how you handle yourself. Because when you have respect of persons, you commit sin. If I show partiality... When I show partiality and when I discriminate, I've got to remember it is sin. And if you do it and when you do it, wherever it manifests itself, it is sin. There is a right way and a wrong way in which to treat people. I'll just say this, then we're going to be... Dismissed. I was reading for this message, and one of the statements that the commentary made was this. Paraphrasing, I understand, but one of the statements was this. If Christ was not too good to associate with the prostitutes, with the thieves, with the ungodly, etc., we're probably not too good for them either. And we really need to check our attitude and we really need to check our spirit and the conclusions we jump to sometimes because sometimes the ugly truth is this. We're partial and we discriminate and we have no business doing it. It's something we need to give attention to. Let's all stand today and bow our heads for prayer. Father, as I come to you this morning, I pray that you'd help us, Lord, to be men and women who would be as kind and respectful and courteous to anyone away from this church as we would be inside this church. Lord, if we would not express it inside the church about another person, another family, whatever it may be, we probably don't need to express it outside the church. And Lord, I know it is, it's a struggle if we're honest because so quickly we can find ourselves being selfish, being critical, just having a wrong spirit. So Lord, I don't know who might be helped by this. I don't know if, if this is a sermon for anyone other than just a reminder. But if we need it, I pray that you'd show it to us. I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen.